Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Not that you don't always, but uh, y'all look really good. Um, I am excited about what God is doing. And I'm excited about praying with you all this Wednesday night. But when we think about prayer, a lot of people are asking today, well, how do I pray in light of what's happening in our world? How do I think about that? And we'll be talking about this a lot on Wednesday night, but I wanted to cover it just briefly here and kind of preview what we're going to be doing on Wednesday night. It is so important that we see the world in light of Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we align our thinking and our lives with God's purpose and God's will and who God is. Amen? It's awful what's happening in Ukraine. This is what happened when evil is allowed to do whatever evil wants to do. But when we pray, we need to remember that our God is still the Father. Amen? He is still God. He is the greatest Father in all of the universe beyond anything anyone else, any of us can even imagine. God is still God. He is our Father, as the Lord's Prayer says, right? Our Father. When we pray, we pray to the, the most omnipotent being in the, in the universe. We pray, God, you're our Father, and He's still our Father no matter what happened this week, right? He's still a ruler. He's still on His throne. We pray our Father. It kind of gives us a position of humility, doesn't it? You're the Father. You're still doing what you intended to do. Our Father, who art in heaven, you have a perspective that's beyond ours. You have a perspective on this whole world that is incredible. You have the long view. You have the wide view. You understand what's happening. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Which means your ways, your reputation is absolutely perfect. Things are not out of control. You're not weak. You are strong. Your ways are ideal. God, you are perfect. Hallowed be your name. It's holy. It's perfect. It's awesome. And so when we think about what's happening, we know this is God allowing us to see what evil is really like. And we pray, God, that we would respond And be on our knees saying, Jesus, thank you for saving us. You are an awesome and powerful and amazing God. And we want to align ourselves with your ways. We want to happen on earth what happens in heaven. It's not today, right? God's kingdom is advancing right now. Even as as the war is going on, God's, God's kingdom is advancing. We're praying, God, we want you to do on this earth what you ultimately want to do. And we want to be a part of it. That's what we're going to be talking about this Wednesday night. That's what we're going to be praying through. Some people are asking, Steve, is this the end of the world? Is this the beginning of the the events in Russia? I mean, the events in in, in Revelation. Is this this the beginning of the end? Should we, you know what? There's going to be an end, but no one knows when it is. There's been wars before. There's been horrible, horrible things happen on this earth. And there will be more, I need to tell you. There will be more. It doesn't mean that this is the end, but you know what? We need to live like it is, right? We need to live with a sense of urgency. An urgency to engage our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's our vision 
for 2022. We want to engage our world with Jesus Christ, with the message of Jesus. We want the world to know and understand who He is. You know, last year was a great year. Um, it was a tough year COVID-wise, but as a church, amazing things happened. We just finished collecting our missions offering. And our missions offering this year was three times the biggest mission offering we've had in the last 14 years. Over $21,000. Thank you for your faithfulness to say, God, I trust you because I want to invest in your kingdom throughout the world. You'll be hearing from our partners the next three weeks as videos are coming in thanking us from the International Mission Board. Uh, from the Florida Baptist Convention and from our church in Jamaica. You'll be hearing them thank you for what's, what you've done and what they're doing with that, with that gift. Praising God for that. But not only that, we had our largest giving year. We, over $500,000 were given through our tithes and offerings. Praise the Lord for that, right? It was a big giving year. Every month for the last five months, our giving has been 15% over the previous year or more. Shows your faithfulness in these days. And in light of that, our... Our church finance committee is going to be recommending a budget of about 565000 in giving this coming year. So we're banking on that giving continuing because we believe that God is doing something amazing here in this church. And last year we spent so much time uh, working on rebuilding our church and rebuilding our structures. I'm so grateful uh, for Phil Bixby as he has done far more than a worship leader normally would do as he has helped us rebuild our structures and build our team Sunday morning into our host team, our creative team, and our children's team, and making it very clear how you can become a part of a team to be involved in the ministry here at First Baptist Church. So grateful for Phil and uh, for his leadership here. So he'll be coming full-time after this budget is passed. I'm so grateful for that and all that he's done. Um, and in honor of that, he's dyed his hair blonde, and I really like it. I really think it's nice. I'm thinking of doing the same thing, but I don't know if my hair will take that color as well. Um, there's a lot that's going on. It's a fun time. But we have to ask ourselves, after we built the house last year, we're going to continue to build our house, but not through changing our structures internally, but this year we want to engage our world externally to build our house. And that's why we've been preaching through the book of Acts, and Greg did a great job of starting the book of, of, of the eighth chapter of Acts as we really see the mission begin to move beyond Jerusalem last week. Um, as he covered verses 1 through 8 of chapter 8, and this week we're going to drill down on verse 4, which really is the heart and soul of the rest of the book of Acts. And it really is the heart and soul of what we are as a church and what this whole church era is, which began when Jesus ascended and, and Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit fell and the church became God's instrument to meet the world and to save the world. And this verse 4 really condenses it all down into a very, very simple few words. And verse 4 says this, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. The word. So simple, but so brilliantly. This is, describes what we do. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Let me ask you this Are you one of those people? You know what I mean? Have you ever said that about how I don't want to be one of those people? Maybe kind of a middle school thing. I don't want to be the, those people. Well, as a church person, I want us all to be one of those people, one of those church people 
who were scattered. Well, who were these people? It says all those who scattered went about preaching. Who are those people? Well, we have to kind of take a little bit of a look back in the verses 1 through 3 as we see who those people were. Verse 1 says, And Saul, who would later be Paul, approved of the execution. This is the execution of Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging, which means to tear apart like an animal would tear apart a carcass. Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. This is who the scattered people were. They were members of the church. They had responded to the preaching of the apostles. They had been saved, been baptized, and they were participating in the life of the church as they went from house to house, worshiping and sharing meals and encouraging one another and giving to one another, sharing their their goods with one another. They'd been a part of this incredible movement. They'd seen the Holy Spirit fall. They were filled with the Spirit. They were those people. But then the time came when they had to be scattered and they had encountered this persecution. They had seen Stephen Stone. They knew about that. And there came a time when persecution got so great that Saul was just jerking people out of houses and taking them out to prison, possibly to be killed like Stephen. It became obvious it was time for them to go. And I wonder if ringing in their ears was a message of Jesus from Acts 1.8 that says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Greg highlighted that last week, that this persecution caused those people to be pushed out of the nest, if you will. To be moved from the place of Jerusalem where their home, where the home base was, to go and be scattered. You wonder what the evidence was, though, don't you? Did Saul come knocking on the door? Hey, I heard you were at church. Get in the paddy wagon. You're out of here. What did he say? What did he say when he knocked on the door, when he banged open the door or crushed the door open and dragged them out? Was it that, you know what, you were seen. You're known to be in association with these apostles. You're known to be a part of these thousands of people who are responding uh, to the apostles' teaching. They're followers of Jesus. We know about you. We've heard you talk. We've maybe even infiltrated your meetings. There's enough evidence to convict you, and so we're going to drag you out of your house and take you to prison. Think about that. When I was a kid in youth group, they used to ask us that question. Maybe you had it ask of you. If you were on trial as a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? It's a good question. It's a good question. See, they were known, they were known as being followers of Jesus, probably even more so than their, their job or even their family name. They were known as followers of Jesus. Is there enough evidence to convict you of being a follower of Jesus, of being one of those people? You may be asking yourself that right now. I want to encourage you just like Irma, she received the gift of salvation through faith and repentance. She received it from Jesus Christ. You can receive it 
as well. You can become one of those people. I would like nothing more than to chat with you after the service, pray with you, answer your questions. Say, well, if I do that, then I'm committed. No, you're not. You're just committed to a conversation. We spend a lot of time with people to help them understand what Jesus is doing. And it's our joy. It's our fruit. It's super fun to see what Jesus is doing, help people understand that he's calling them to be his child. We'd love to chat with you after the service. I'll be right down here. It'll be the most important conversation of my day, I can tell you. I'd love to chat with you. So are you one of those people? Be one of those people is our first point. If you're one of those people, consider yourself scattered seed. Consider yourself scattered seed. The Greek word here for scatter is the word that is the root word for the word diaspora, which means the scattered people. And uh, the writer of Hebrews writes to the diaspora, the people who are scattered around the known world, the followers of Jesus who are scattered. And it doesn't mean just to scatter as you would with a leaf blower, trying to get rid of the leaves off your driveway. It means to scatter in the same way that a sower sows seed, right? A sower sows seed intentionally. They don't just scatter accidentally. They try to sow seed into soil that might grow fruit as a result of their scattering that seed. And so those who are scattered are those who who Jesus has sent out to where he wants them to be. You know, today you might say, I never intended to be here. I never intended to be in this location. I mean, if we were to show of hands how many people are from Florida, there'd be about five, I think. I'm looking around county, maybe ten in this room. All of us came here from, well, most all of us came here from somewhere else. You know, Jesus has a way of getting us where he wants us to be. It's not random that you're where you are. It's Jesus. It's not random. He has a way of getting us where he wants us to be. I never, ever intended to be in Florida. In fact, as a kid, I didn't know it was an option. I thought Florida was just beaches, hotels, and campgrounds. Until one day I discovered that as we were leaving Florida to go home from vacation, that there are houses here. And that was a revelation. Many years later, we got to move to Florida. What brought you? Could have been a job. Could have been a hope for a better life, a better opportunity, especially for immigrants. I want to come and have a better life, a better opportunity. Maybe your parents brought you. Maybe you graduated and a job brought you. See, Jesus has a way of getting us here. He got us here twice. Once through a job, once through a call to ministry. Consider yourself scattered seed that's been intentionally sown where you are. And that includes your state, your, your, your current status. And maybe you said, I never intended to be a widow. I never intended to have this type of job. I, I never intended to work with these kind of people. I never thought I'd live in this kind of a neighborhood. I never, th- yeah, but Jesus did. See, there's, you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. A purpose. You are scattered seed. And every seed has the potential to bear fruit, doesn't it? 
Sometimes we get all confused. We're like, I just don't like this time in my life. I'm ready for the next time. Or I wish I had the previous time. This is a strange time. It's a difficult time. It's an unusual time. It's a time where Jesus wants you to be seed. And look at it. Look at the now as an opportunity to reproduce, to be scattered seed. So be one of those people. Consider yourself scattered seed. And finally, make sure. Well, first, let me, let me say this. Some of you might be scattered somewhere else as well. You won't be here forever, most of you. People generally transition. They're here for a while. They move somewhere else. And I want you to know that's a normal part of life. We're saying goodbye to Sarah and Greg as, Sarah, as they go off to serve in the military. He's going to be a military chaplain. Uh, he's going to be in active duty. He's going to be deployed. All those things are happening. I love the quote by J.D. Greer. He said, we need to be, measure our success not by our seeding capacity, but by our sending capacity, right? God is going to send many of you off. Some of you will go off to college, and you're going to minister to people there. Some of you will have a job change. Some of you, God may even call to intentional missions. Join a mission organization like the International Mission Board. We're going to hear from a couple from the International Mission Board next week. Would you be open to that? What if God were to send you somewhere you don't even know the language, the culture, or anything and allow you to be a blessing to people who haven't heard the good news yet? Consider yourself to be scattered. Be ready to be rescattered, And also understand that you may be where exactly where God wants you to be for a long time. It's interesting in this passage that the apostles didn't go anywhere. Everybody else scattered, but says the apostles didn't. See, they were already where they needed to be. And some people think that, well, maybe the apostles didn't feel threatened because they weren't Hellenist, and maybe the persecution was only against Greek-speaking Jews. But the passage really doesn't bear that out, and Luke certainly doesn't say that. It's more likely that the apostles felt a loyalty to where they were. This is where Jesus said to go. This is our place. This is where we belong. So we need to make sure that we understand that because you're called to move or called to stay, both are incredibly valuable. Wherever you are, Jesus has scattered you there. But when we get there, we need to understand, we need to engage the culture. I love the quote, and maybe you saw that this week, from Pastor Vasil Astriyi, a Ukrainian pastor. And as the troops were advancing... He wrote an article saying, why I'm staying, why I'm staying. He says this, if the church is not relevant at a time of crisis, then it is not relevant in a time of peace. See, we've got to be relevant and engaging the culture at all times, especially in times of crisis. I love the story of the scattered seed, of the the story that the parable Jesus tells of the soils in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 4. It's so important that it's in all three of the synoptic gospels. And he says this, he says there were, there were four types of soils, but there was only one type of seed, right? There's four types of soil. There was the soil that was as hard as a rock and the birds quickly ate it. And then there was a soil that was shallow and it didn't produce any fruit. And then there was a soil that was choked out by weeds and didn't produce any fruit either. And then there was the good soil, and the seed produced 30 and 60 times what it, its, its weight, right? 
produce 60 and 30 to 60 times for one seed. Here's the message. The seed's got to get in the soil. Because once the seed gets in the soil, the type of soil is revealed by what happens to the seed. You have been scattered into a soil. And I love the quote, and I wish I knew the missiologist who said this. I learned this in seminary. It says that our role as followers of Jesus is to plant the seed of the gospel in the soil of the culture. To plant the seed of the gospel in the soil of the culture. And I get it. I get it. I know this, this culture is rough, right? It's tough. It's difficult. It's challenging. We're going to have to get out there. We're going to have to get to know people in order to plant the seed of the gospel in the lives of people, aren't we? You may be thinking, well, Steve, how do I do that? How do I do that? I mean, I'm just trying to get through life. I really don't know that many people or I'm trying to protect myself. How do I, how do, I do that? First of all, you've got to want to. You've got to want to. At the end of the service, we're going to ask you to commit to do this. But let me just give you some examples of some ways that you can plant the seed of the gospel in the soil of the culture. And this is really what the rest of Acts is all about. It's very, very practical. We'll see later in chapter 8 the message as Philip and Peter and John go about to plant the seed of the gospel in the soil of the culture. Number one, do not sell out. Do not sell out. Bring glory to Jesus regardless of what it costs. Have you ever started to say something to someone and thought, oh, this might cost me my job? Or this may cost me business? This may hurt me financially. In the story in in Acts chapter 8, there's a man named Simon, and he wants to buy, I love this, he wants to buy the ability to have the Holy Spirit fall on somebody. And they refuse. They say, you don't get it at all. It's not about money. You can't sell the Holy Spirit. But often you see that happen, sadly, among believers. They're doing this for financial gain or to avoid financial loss. See, our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We don't need to worry about finances. We need to make sure we're faithful to plant the seed of the gospel. Don't sell out, Acts 8. Later in Acts 8, the instruction is, ask the question. Ask the question. Philip is talking to seeing uh, an Ethiopian eunuch, someone not like him, and he's reading the Word of God, and and he looks at him, and he sees him, and he says, you know what, I'm going to go up to him, And he asks a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? It's a great question. You can see people reading in coffee shops sometimes, and it might be a good idea to simply ask them. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what's happening in our culture? Do you understand how bad evil really is? It's all great questions. may not be your first question. In South Florida, I like to ask the first question, where are you from? This morning we had a couple here from, from Nashville, and I said, this is just like Nashville, you know, isn't it? No, not, it's not at all. Ask the simple question, where are you from? Because no one's from here. Where are you from? How are the people like there? Are they as nice as they are in South Florida? No, they're not. They're much nicer. Don't you love that about us? I mean, we're mean people, aren't we? None of you are. South Floridians in general. 
ask the question. Sometimes it's just a simple step into the spiritual. We'll talk about this more in the coming weeks as we cover these passages. It may be just as simple as, you know what, do you have a church that you are a part of? You can ask even that maybe you'd like to know about their church. You can tell how people respond to that question if they're open to any spiritual conversation. You start to tell, is this good soil or not? So don't sell out. Ask the question. Believe the miracle. Believe the miracle. The more you talk to people, the more you're going to hear stories where you're like, I don't know about that. Right? You're like, man, that sounds like it's a little bit out of my Baptist background. And I've been Baptist since before I was born. But I have seen some miracles. And sometimes we're a little jaded and we don't really think that could happen. But let me tell you, our God is speaking to people all over the world through dreams and visions right now. See, this story in Acts chapter 9 is a story of Saul who's on the road to Damascus and this incredible thing happens. Jesus actually appears to Saul and asks, why are you persecuting him, persecuting me? And Saul, as a result, is saved with the prophet Ananias. It's incredible. It's a story you wouldn't believe. It's a story someone told you today. You go, I don't know, I think that's really... Listen, you need to believe the miracle. Our God does do some incredible things. Look for the miracle and look to interpret the miracle. Help people understand. I, we had a man in our church years ago, and he came to me one day and he said, you know, uh, Pastor, I just want to let you know that I've been in the mafia. And I said, that's great. I have some deacons I need you to take care of. No, I didn't say that at all. I didn't even think it. I just wanted to wake some people up. He said, I've done some bad things. He said, but God took away my sight. I went blind. And as a result, I was kicked out. It's really very few ways you can get out of the mafia and be, still be alive. He said, as a result, I was kicked out, and, and through a series of events, I wound up talking to someone who shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me, and I got saved, and then I got my eyesight back. I said, so what you're telling me is through your physical blindness, you got spiritual sight. He said, exactly. And he was such a joyful, happy man. He passed away a few years later. Um, it was a miracle. Believe the miracle. God is at work. We just need to interpret for people what he's doing. Fourth, know when to leave. Do you know when to get out? Do you know when it's time to go? We're going to talk about how Paul talked so much and people got so mad they were about to stone him and the people around him got him out of there and got him in a basket, got him over the city wall and saved his life. See, there's a time to leave. There's a time to stay, certainly. And I'm so proud of some of the Ukrainian people who are staying and fighting, demonstrating what patriotism looks like. It's awesome. But when you're talking to someone about Jesus, there's a time when you've said everything you need to say, and it's time to go. We don't really need to convince them. We just need to interpret what Jesus is doing and let them respond. It takes longer that way sometimes, but there's a time when it's time to go. If you're a parent, you know that the best thing to way to teach your kid is to tell them the same thing a hundred times in a row, right? 
super effective, right kids? Don't you love that? When your parents go on and on and on. Well, let's start over. I don't think you got it. I don't think you understand because you're still not keeping your room clean. And so I'm going to tell you 10 times while you're sitting right here. And uh, one of my kids, I won't mention their name, but it's Sarah. Um, (laughs) She used to have this look on her face after a while. It's like, I'm just hanging in here until it's over. And one time I said that to her, you're just kind of waiting me out. She goes, pretty much. (laughs) She turned out great, though. Amen? She's amazing. Um, Holy Spirit does the convincing. You do the interpreting. Know when to leave. Know when you've said enough. And there's there's 30 or 40 more of these, but there's one more I just want to touch on. And we're going to talk about all this in the future, but... Share the good news with those who are most unlike you. We sometimes just talk to people who are like us, right? I like to talk to guys who are white and in their 60s and who used to be engineers. Those, those are my people, right? I like to talk to people who are Cardinal fans, like to people who like to, you know, listen, you need to step out of your comfort zone. The Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, Peter, is, is on the rooftop of Simon the Tanner's house and God keeps showing him this sheet of food that he would never eat. The sheep would come out from heaven and you see all these things on it that, that he wouldn't eat that are unclean and, and there would be things like wonderful things like lobster and shrimp and, and bacon and cured ham. And I mean, it's just incredible. And Paul says, no, I would, Peter says, I would never eat that. And, and God says, take and eat. Don't declare what's clean to be unclean. I've declared it clean. And the message to Paul to Peter was, I'm about to send you to people you would never talk to. And he is. He's preparing the heart of Cornelius at the very same time. Who would you have a really hard time talking to? Who who do you have a hard time loving? Who do you have a hard time relating to? We need to get outside of our comfort zone, folks, and engage the culture with people who are not like us at all. See, the best way, the very best way to respond to evil in our world is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the most important news in the world. That there is a way out of this world. There is a way into heaven. There's a way to be forgiven. There's a way for things to be right between you and God. There's a, there's a way for me for God to be pleased with me. There's a way for me to have the purpose of God in my life, the power of God in my life, and it's through this good news of Jesus Christ that I just need to receive through repentance and faith. Will you engage your world? Will you engage your world? You might be saying, well, Steve, I don't don't really know how, I mean, or what is it exactly that you're wanting me to do? Here's what I want. I just want you to be committed to say, Jesus, I want to engage my world on behalf of you. I don't want to be isolated in my own little shell. I want the opportunity to engage my world, and I don't even know what that looks like. Would you commit to that today? I've been so impressed with people in the Ukraine who have taken up arms and says, I'll stand. The 80-year-old man, you've no doubt seen the picture, that he stepped up and said, I, I've just got, a, just got a little... I've just got a little case of a couple pairs of pants and lunch, but I'm here to defend my land for the sake of my children. People standing up and saying, I'm not trained 
but I'm going to stand up for my homeland. So many times people say, well, I don't know how to talk to someone about Jesus because I might not know all the answers. Listen, we'll equip you. All that matters is you say, I want to engage my world. Is that you today? Will you say, yes, Jesus, I want to engage my world. I believe he'll be faithful to give you those opportunities. Before I pray, if you would say yes to Jesus, I want to engage my world, would you just stand right now? Would you just stand and say, I want to be counted. Would you just stand and say, I want to engage my world. Praise the Lord. Let's bow. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.